Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There you can find out more information about who we are and where we're headed as a church. Once again, thanks for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. I want to begin today with a very simple fill-in-the-blank activity. I want you to look at this statement on the screen. Here's the the fill-in-the-blank statement. I am a blank person. So here's the question. What word should be inserted in that phrase in order for it to accurately describe you? What's your first reaction when you think about filling in the blank as it relates to your life? Now, don't fill in the blank with the person you wish you were. Fill in the blank with the person you actually are. I am a blank person. Here's a couple of options. Maybe for you, the word that came to mind first was something like friendly. I am a friendly person. Maybe the word was healthy or passionate or loving. Or maybe you would say, I am a smart person. Or maybe your response was much different than those types of words. Maybe you thought more in the line of tired. I am a tired person. Maybe your word was lazy or selfish or cranky or confused. Or maybe you're kind of in a category on your own and you would say something like, I am a loud person or I am a creative person. I am a dramatic person. Or maybe you would say today, I'm a lonely person or I'm an anxious person. It would be interesting if we went around the room today, if anyone filled in the blank with this word, I am a thankful person. Now, if that was the very first word that came to mind for you this morning, I want to go ahead and dismiss you from our service (laughs) because I don't have anything for you today. Maybe that wasn't the first word that came to mind for you, but let me ask you today, are you a thankful person. Lifeway Research did a survey in 2016, and they asked the question, who do you thank on Thanksgiving? And they were given a list to choose from. And the results are pretty interesting. 63% of those surveyed in the United States said that on Thanksgiving, they give thanks to God. Praise the Lord. 57% of those surveyed said that on Thanksgiving, they give thanks to their family. 32% said that when they give thanks, they give thanks to their friends. Now, this one was interesting. 8% of those surveyed said that on Thanksgiving, they give thanks to themselves. So I don't know what that looks like around the table. That dad says... Thanks to God. Mom says thanks to family. Brother says thanks to friends. And I say, 
thanks, Travis? Like, what is that? How does that come across? And one other piece of data that was shared in this research was this, that 7% of Americans said they do not give thanks at all on Thanksgiving. So here's what we're going to do today. In our time during this service, we're going to look at what does it mean for a Jesus follower to truly give thanks. Major Ian Thomas made a statement that is incredibly challenging to me and has been for years, and I want us to look at it today. Here's what he said. If in any situation you are not prepared to give thanks, you are out of the will of God. It's a challenging statement. And in our culture, this whole concept of giving thanks is challenging, and here's why. Because our culture depicts Thanksgiving as a holiday that happens for 24 hours once per year. However, the Bible communicates that Thanksgiving is the ongoing expression of a grateful heart. And I don't know about you, but for me at least, during this time of the year, it's really hard to tell who is genuinely grateful for the things in their life. Because here's what happens. On Thanksgiving Thursday, we're all sitting with our family or loved ones and sharing what we're thankful for. We post something on our social media accounts that's very warm and fuzzy, telling everyone else how thankful we are. But the next day on Black Friday, here's what we look like in the midst of the store when we're fighting over what we don't have. So on Thursday, we're saying how grateful we are. And apparently on Friday, we're communicating that we do not have enough. But this morning, we're going to let the Word of God align our hearts with what it truly means to be grateful. But I just want you to know, it does not look like this. Okay? So if you have your Bible today, look with me in Psalm chapter 100. We're going to read this whole chapter this morning, but we're specifically going to focus on verses 4 and five. The book of Psalms is the most quoted and most diverse book in all of the Bible. Depending on where you're reading in this book, the author could be coming from a place of incredible joy, or the author could be coming from a place of dark, deep, emotional brokenness. You see, I believe that because the book of Psalms is the most diverse book in the Bible, it's also the most relatable. Because we can't all relate with the joys, but we can all relate with the sorrows. So I want to read this whole chapter for us, and then we're going to unpack verses 4 and 5. Verse 1 of Psalm 100 says this, Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And then verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. And his faithfulness to all generations. 
So what we want to do on this Thanksgiving weekend is out of these two verses, I want to ask and answer two foundational questions about what it looks like to give thanks. And really what you have in verses 4 and 5 is you have this. Verse 4 communicates what thanksgiving looks like. And verse 5 communicates why we should be thankful. So as we work through these two questions, I first want to unpack verse 5, and then I want to come back and unpack verse 4. So here's our first question this morning. Why should I be thankful? Why should I be thankful? It is normal in our culture to use phrases about being thankful, but do we really understand why, as the people of God, we should be incredibly thankful? Well, I believe verse 5 communicates for us three reasons why we should be thankful, and here's the first one. We should be thankful because the Lord is good. We should be thankful because the Lord is good. Now, I know the word good is a word that's used commonly in our culture. And so I want you to look at this statement to unpack a little further what that actually means. The Lord is good because he knows and desires what is best for us. One of the prayers that I learned, really the first prayer that I ever learned as a child started like this. God is great. And God is good. Now, what I thought at the time is that I was just reciting a children's prayer. But what I've since learned is that that prayer is actually rooted in the scripture. The Bible teaches us that God is both great and he is good. And there's a phrase about God's goodness that is repeated multiple times in the book of Psalms in addition to what we just read in Psalm 100. And I want you to look at it. It's found in Psalm 106, 107, as well as Psalm 136. And here's the phrase. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Now here's what's important to understand. Normally for us, when we give a testimony, or when we share with someone else that God is good, it normally pertains to our present circumstances. What it normally means is that from a material possession standpoint, we're in a good place. It means from a physical health standpoint, we're in a good place. And there's no real trouble that is present in our lives. However, God defines the word good much, much differently than we do. You see, God has an incredible eternal plan for all of us. It is a plan that brings him maximum glory and brings us true satisfaction in Christ. And everything that God does, he is seeking to bring about this incredible eternal plan. Now, the reality is he's not obligated to that. You see, as humanity, originally we rejected God. And we said that we can do better, which makes it even more overwhelming that in his goodness, he is still seeking to bring about the very best in our lives. You may say to yourself, Pastor, that's incredible. No, that is goodness. That is the goodness of God on display with the reality that he knows what is best for us 
and he seeks to bring about what is best for us. The first reason we should be thankful is because God is good. Here's the second reason that's found in verse 5. The Lord is loving. The Lord is loving. And here's a statement to unpack that. He loves us with an unending love. The second part of verse 5 says this. His loving kindness is everlasting. There is nothing greater, stronger, or more amazing than the love of God. And this word loving kindness in verse 5 is combining two ideas. It's combining the idea of loyal love and the idea of unfailing kindness. Look at this statement on the screen to kind of unpack it a little further for us. God's loving kindness is that sure love which will not let his people go. Not all of our persistent waywardness could ever destroy it. This steady, persistent refusal of God to wash his hands of his wayward people is the essence of loving kindness. I want to take that a step further and share something with you that I believe is overwhelming, yet it is true nonetheless. God created us, which means he knows us the best, yet he loves us the most. It is normal human thinking to assume that when someone really gets to know you, their love for you will decrease. But understand this as we think about the love of God. The Lord not only knows you the best, he loves you the most. He is a personal God who is concerned with every detail of your life. But his love and his compassion do not lessen the fact that he is the all-powerful God who spoke creation into existence. And he is the only one who could make a way for humanity to be redeemed and for us to experience eternal life. So here's a biblical conclusion that I hope blesses you today. Eternal life and eternal love are found in the same person. And his name is Jesus. Eternal life, life that is going to last forever, everlasting life, and unending love are found in the same person. And his name is Jesus. You see, that's the gospel. We are given what we don't deserve. We are invited to experience life in Christ that we could never obtain on our own. The beautiful message of the gospel is this. Eternal life and eternal love are found in the same person. And that person is inviting you and I into a relationship. The Lord is loving. Because he's loving, we should be grateful. Here's a third reason that we should be thankful, I believe, out of verse 5. The Lord is faithful. The Lord is faithful. And here's a statement to help us unpack that. He can be trusted no matter what. God is faithful. He can be trusted no matter what. Verse 5 concludes by saying this. And his faithfulness 
to all generations. I read a story this week that was a writer observing um, tourists and employees that were close to the geyser at Yellowstone National Park in Wyoming. The geyser is called Old Faithful. You've probably heard of it. And he wrote something that I thought was very interesting, specifically referring to when the geyser would erupt. He says, when the geyser went off, the tourists oohed and awed. They took pictures, and some of them even applauded. And he says, as I'm watching the tourists, I'm also looking at the employees of Yellowstone National Park. And he said, not a single employee, even those who had finished their assignments, looked up to see the eruption. And then he concluded with this. He said, for the employees, old faithful had grown entirely too familiar and lost its power to impress. Let me ask you today. Have we become so familiar with the faithfulness of God that we're no longer thankful for it? Are you so familiar with the scripture and the songs and the teaching that you're no longer overwhelmed by the fact that God can be trusted no matter what because he is faithful to all generations? Mark Buchanan said this in his book, The Holy Wild. In both creation and relationships, faithfulness is the most amazing yet least captivating trait. It is one quality in the cosmos, in God, in others, that we can't live without, but that we don't much live with either. Mindful of it or thankful for it. You see, the reality that God is faithful and can be trusted no matter what changes the way that you and I navigate through tragedy. In the midst of tragedy, here's the normal human response. God, why? You've probably asked that question. I've asked that question. That's the normal human response. But the reality is, in the midst of a broken world, we may never know why as it pertains to certain tragedies this side of heaven. And I'll be honest with you, as I look at things in our own city and things happening right now around the world, the normal response of my heart is, Lord, why? But I have to remember that even though I don't understand it all, God can be trusted no matter what. So that changes the question. The question should not be why. To a faithful God, here's the right question. Lord, how are you going to use this for your purposes? Now for me, in the midst of emotion and pain, that question helps me see past the pain towards purpose. Now, I'm not playing down the fact that tragedies are emotional and there is pain involved and it hurts. But asking a question about God's purpose in the midst of it I think helps us see past the emotion of it to God's ultimate plan. In every tragedy that I've walked through, 
for the past 15 years, I was taught to ask three simple questions. And every time that I've wrestled through these questions, God has always brought clarity to me about purpose in the midst of pain. Here are the three questions. Lord, what are you trying to teach me? Who are you trying to show me? And where are you trying to lead me? In every, every time that something explodes in my life, I wrestle with those questions. Lord, what are you trying to teach me? Who are you trying to show me? And where are you trying to lead me? And I can only ask those questions because I'm asking them to a faithful God who can be trusted no matter what. I believe, according to verse 5 in Psalm 100, we should be thankful today because God is good and his goodness is expressed by his love and his faithfulness. Amen? Here's the second question this morning. How do I demonstrate that I am thankful? If we all agree today that we are to be thankful, well, the second question is, how do I demonstrate that I am thankful? While verse 5 shows us why we should be thankful, verse 4 shows us what thanksgiving looks like when it is expressed. And I want to give you two ways that thanksgiving is demonstrated by the people of God. First of all, our attitude. Our attitude. Being thankful begins with a grateful heart. Being thankful starts by having a grateful heart. You see, there's a difference in gratitude and thanksgiving. Tim Keller made a very clarifying statement about this I want you to look at. He said, gratitude is what you feel. Thanksgiving is what you do. It is one thing to be grateful. It is another to give thanks. You see, thanksgiving begins with a grateful heart. I believe as we consider the greatness and the glory and the, and the love of God, that our hearts should overflow with gratitude. And what happens is that spills over into the way that we see the world, what comes out of our mouth, the way that we worship, it impacts our attitude first. And here's what I've realized over my journey of following Jesus. The closer I walk with Jesus, the more grateful I become. The more there is nearness in my relationship with God, the more grateful I become. Well, why is that? It's because the closer I get to him, the more I realize how undeserving I am. You see, gratitude is a response to something. And for us as the people of God, it's us responding to his goodness, his love, as well as his faithfulness. And the closer that I walk with him, the more I am overwhelmed by how great he is and how broken I am. But unfortunately, the opposite is true. The less I walk with Jesus, the more ungrateful I become. As I think about my journey and I think about the moments in my life when I've been critical, I've been short-tempered, I've been just angry in some ways. Most of the time in those seasons, there is a distance between me and the Lord. But the moments in my life when I feel like I am just, my perspective, my words, my attitude are flowing with thanksgiving, those are the moments when I have had a nearness with the Lord 
on a moment-by-moment basis. So that's the first way that Thanksgiving demonstrates itself through our attitude. What we think about, our filter for the world, the words that we speak, our attitude. But here's the second way that Thanksgiving demonstrates itself. Our actions. Our actions. Being thankful overflows into your life. Being thankful begins with a grateful heart, but it overflows into your life. Verse 4 in Psalm 100 has a few references to locations that don't really have any relevance to us, but they had incredible relevance in a Jewish culture. You see in verse 4, there is a reference to gates and courts. Verse 4 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. This was a reference to the temple. The temple was the place that they believed the very presence of God dwelt. And when you entered into the temple, you entered through a gate, and then you progressed to an outer court. Then there was another gate. Then there was an inner court. Then there was the holy place, and then ultimately the holy of holies. And the further you progressed into the temple, it was believed the closer you were to the presence of God. You see, the Holy of Holies was the most sacred place of worship and communion. It's where the high priest went to personally experience the presence of God. Now, we understand today that God's presence does not dwell in a temple made by man. It dwells in us by the Holy Spirit of God. So as we read this today about progressing through his gates, progressing through the courts, here's what it is. It's an invitation for you and I to draw near to the Lord. You see, God is not just some far-off being who wants nothing to do with his creation. He desires for us to draw near to him, and he has made a way in Christ for us to do just that. That's incredibly significant for us. Verse 4 is an invitation for us to draw near, which is consistent with the New Testament. Look at this verse from James chapter 4, verse 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. The incredible invitation of God is to draw near to him. And the psalmist is saying here that when we seek to draw near to him, we should do two things. We should thank him, and we should praise him. Now, the question becomes, why? Why is that significant? If I desire to draw near to God, what does thanksgiving and praise have to do with that? Well, here's what I believe. And I believe this is what the scripture is teaching. That when we draw near to him, we should start by thanking him and praising him. Because when we do that, it shifts our focus to God. It takes our focus off of our circumstances, off of how we feel, off of what we're thinking about, and it sets our focus on the Lord. As you think about this gather time every week, we begin with a time of singing. We did it today, telling the Lord, you're the cornerstone. We're praising him for who he is. What are we doing there? We're taking our focus off of our lives, and we're setting our focus on God. Many times as we pray together as a church, we'll start with a time of praise and thanksgiving. What are we doing in the midst of that time? We are taking our focus off of ourselves, off of our circumstances, and we are setting our focus on the Lord. 
Because I believe when we do that, when our focus shifts, we begin to recall the ways in which God has impacted us. And the scripture commands that we remember his wonders which he has done. We are called to thank him and praise him joyfully all throughout the day and in the presence of others. That's why praise and thanksgiving are so significant. That's why the scripture is saying, hey, as you begin to approach God, start with thanksgiving and praise to warm your heart to who God is and what he has done and prepare your mind and heart to meet with the Lord. Charles Stanley had a statement about this that I thought was really strong. He said, the height of our worship flows from the depth of our knowledge of him. I love this sentence. If we know little, our praise will be limited. As we grow in the intimate knowledge of the Lord, our adoration of him increases. You see, what stops us from giving thanks is that we are not grateful. And what stops us from being grateful is that we lose sight or don't know who God is and what he has done. I personally believe that Jesus' followers should be the most thankful people on the planet because our eyes have been opened to the depth of our sin and we're blown away by the amazing grace and love that God has for us. And the way that thankfulness is demonstrated is through our attitude as well as through our actions. One of the common questions that a lot of people ask all over the world is this, what is God's will for me? And I want to conclude today by reading a verse of scripture that tells you one aspect of God's will for your life. And here it is out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Rejoice always or be joyful always. Pray without ceasing. Now listen to this. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You want to know one aspect of God's will for you and for me. It is to be thankful. So I want to ask you the same question I started with. Are you a thankful person? Let's pray this morning. We're going to transition to a time of response today. It's an opportunity for us to look at our own lives. It's a time to listen to the Lord and really identify how he's speaking to us today. There's a couple of ways that I want to just challenge you to respond today. Maybe you're here and what the Lord has shown you during this service is that you are not a grateful person. Maybe there's a hardness of your heart Maybe you've just not been exposed to the reality of who God is. If you're here today and you would say, I'm just not grateful, I want to challenge you to consider the goodness, the love, and the faithfulness of God. 
Maybe you're here and you are grateful, but you see today that gratitude overflows in your life through thanksgiving. But as you think about your attitude and your actions, that's not evident. Maybe it's the words that you speak. Maybe it's your perspective on life. Maybe it's your worship in your small group or here during this gathering or just personally with the Lord. And the best thing that can happen for you during these moments is just to repent and say, Lord, I desire for the gratitude that is in my heart to flow out of my life in the form of thanksgiving. Maybe you want to pray just there in your seat. Maybe you want to come forward and kneel here on these steps. Or maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. And you recognize that he loves you. But because of your sin, you can't have a relationship with him. Well, the gospel is this. That even though there was no way that you and I could have a relationship with God, God made a way through Jesus. And Jesus went to the cross to pay the penalty for sin, to make a way for us through faith in Jesus to have a relationship with the Father. Maybe for you in just a few moments, what you need to do is you need to come down one of these aisles and we're going to have some pastors here. And you just need to say, I need Jesus. And we can show you from the Bible today how you can be born again into a relationship with God. For others of us, I'm sure there are some family situations, some financial situations, maybe some health situations. And you just, before you leave this campus today, you just need somebody to pray for you. Listen, our pastors would be honored today just to pray with you and for you during this time of response. So Lord, I pray that you would direct us now, that you would give us a sensitivity to your voice. Lord, this service isn't over until we have truly responded to you. And so God, in every individual in this room, I pray you would make clear how you want to apply Lord, these verses from Psalms, you would show us how we're not like you. You would reveal to us how what's going on in the midst of our lives connects to your purposes. Lord, even though you didn't cause them, you want to redeem them and leverage them for your gospel. We ask you to direct us during this time. We pray these things in Jesus' name.